Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. That was Stone Cold 1998 pop for a youth pastor, so I appreciate I appreciate that and those of you who get that reference. My name is Ryan, and I have been at this church for, uh, for 12 years, serving with small groups and, and now with teens, uh, which is just such an awesome group. So certainly humbled to be here um, uh, and speaking with you this morning, especially about prayer. And so uh, Daniel has been covering in this Ever Wonder Why series some challenging topics, right? A couple weeks ago, we talked about suffering, uh, last week, hell, and this week, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Now, I'm grateful that we do serve a big and powerful and sovereign God that can answer prayers. So let's look at some big ones from Scripture. We have in Joshua, Joshua 10, Joshua prays for the sun to stand still, and it does. But I have prayed with a mom for her daughter to return to her, and that prodigal has still not come home. Or we read in James about Elijah praying after a three-year drought for the rain to come, and it does. But I've prayed with a family for five years now for them to get pregnant, and they have not been able to conceive. And so the same text that tells us that Elijah prayed also tells us that Elijah was a man just like us, but it doesn't feel like that sometimes doesn't feel like that sometimes. We want to hear from God when we bring Him our hopes and our dreams and our desires, but why sometimes does it elicit the silence of God? And so we are going to start our uh, journey this morning in um, John. We're going to look at John 14, and we're going to try to understand the promise made here. So John 14, 13, if you have your Bibles. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I have asked for things that I knew God could do. I have asked for things that I thought he would do. But I've even asked in his name, and he didn't do it. And you wonder, did I do something wrong? Is he, is he mad at me? Is he not listening? Does he not care? Well, buckle up. Stow any bags you may have, put your tray tables up. We're going to fly through a lot of scripture this morning and, uh, and see if we can get some answers. Now, first, I would like to share with you my family because they are wonderful. Uh, I get to read with them at night. One of the books we read sometimes is this little Berenstein Bears phonics book. And in the book, Brother Bear gets into a box upside down. His dad takes the box, bless you, outside. He puts it onto a truck. The truck goes to town. The box falls off. And Brother Bear runs back and he says to his mom, I went to town, inside, outside, upside down. And so what we're going to do this morning is when God doesn't answer our prayers, we're going to look like Brother Bear. We're going to, we're going to look inside, outside, up at God. <laughs> inside, outside, up at God. Now first we're going to take a look at prayer, at the purpose of prayer, and then inside, outside, up at God. Now we live in a culture of instant gratification. I ran out of vitamins for my kids the other night, and I did not want to go to the store, so I did what we all do. I ordered them on Amazon. <laughs> That's right. Like, literally, like 10 hours later, they were there. That's amazing. <laughs> Amazon is a company that is built around serving the customer in radical ways, and that's amazing. God is not like Amazon. <laughs> God does not exist to serve you. We exist to serve Him. 
We make his name great. We get to be a part of that. Thank God and praise God, but we are not the focus. He is. So first and foremost, prayer is so that we can know the character of God and do his will. And when we pray, we put ourselves into a position to know God better. He is relational. We're not praying to some distant out there power. We're praying to a relational God. He wants a relationship. He is real and relational. But sometimes we treat God like he's Santa Claus. Right? And we go, God, I've been a good boy this year, so please help my wife to buy me that $90,000 truck without talking to me. Those commercials are weird. Can we stop it with those? <laughs> I, I don't understand those. God is not a grantor of wishes. He wants a relationship with us. Relationship is cultivated in prayer by being with God. So the purpose of prayer then is so that we can know his character and do his will. So with that as our frame, knowing his character and doing his will, let's look inside. Look for three things when we look inside. First, we must examine our motives. Then we need to look if we have any mistrust or misplaced trust. And then examine our manner of living. These three things we're going to look at. So let's start a little bit with uh, one. Let's look at our motives. James 4.3. Let's look at James 4.3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Why do you want that new house? Why do you want that new car, that job? Why do you want that relationship? These are things that are amoral, right? Meaning that that this is not a moral decision if you want to purchase this house or this house. But your motive behind that is very revealing. Do you want that house because you've been praying to to host a small group and to be able to minister to those in your uh, your community, but, but but your space is just a little too small? And yeah, the house is more expensive, but you could use that for God. Or, or do you need that five-bedroom house because your coworker just got a bigger one or your parents think that your brother's more successful and so maybe you need to upgrade so that they know that you are the real deal? Those motives are very different. So when we're praying and God is not answering our prayers, we should ask, whose glory? Whose glory? Your motives matter. Examine your motives when God is not answering your prayer. Two, mistrust in God mistrust in God. Let's stick with James. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Mistrust. You think that broken relationship, it's just too far gone. God couldn't help that. There's just too much baggage. That that restoration can't possibly happen. And so you pray for it every now and again, but you don't pray believing that God can fix it. You don't need a perfect faith. I'm not suggesting that, but but we don't want to doubt God's power. Now, let's explore this idea a little further uh, when Jesus interacts with a man of imperfect faith. Flip over to Mark. See what I'm talking about here. He's interacting with the Father. The Father comes to Jesus. His son is possessed by a demon. And he says to Jesus, he says, This demon has often thrown my son into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus says. If you're not catching the sarcasm and the hilarity of Jesus, you ought to read scripture more. If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus has compassion and he heals the boy. I want you to notice two things though about this father's faith. This father's faith simultaneously expresses confidence in God. I believe while expressing a lack of confidence 
in his own ability, even his own ability to maintain his faith. So some of you, your self-confidence is a subtle form of unbelief. You, you, you don't really mistrust God can do it. You've misplaced trust in your own ability. You don't think you need God. So ask yourself when you're praying, God is not answering, whose power is at work here? Whose power? Is it God's or is it mine? Three, check your manner of living. Your manner of living. In John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you must abide in me. Remain in me. What's he saying? He's saying, do it my way. Obey. Listen. (laughs) Do it my way. Do it my way. And so that is what uh, Jesus is telling his disciples. And so when you're praying in this way, I want you to ask this question, whose way? Your way or God's way? Your way or God's way? A lot of times, younger Ryan would have done this. Newer in the faith, uh, always been very independent. I would make my own decisions, and I would go, this is what I'm going to do. And then someone would go, yeah, but you were supposed to pray about it. And I'd go, oh, right, yes. God, bless the mistake I'm about to make. And then I would go do it. <laughs> that prayer has never worked for me. <laughs> that is not what we're looking for, right? If uh, Parents with teens, they say, yeah, you can go out with your friends tonight. That's fine. Just take out the trash and finish your homework. And then they go to leave and they haven't done either of those things, are they going out that night? No, because <laughs> they didn't do what you asked. And so sometimes in our lives, we're like that teenager. We do not respect God's authority in our life. Our manner of living is out of step with God. So whose way are we looking to do? So those three ways we look inside, we look at our motives, we look for any mistrust or misplaced trust, we look at our manner of living. Now, sometimes that the, the way and, and, and what we do uh, with God, our relationship with God, spills over into our relationship with other people. So we need to look outside now. Do you have any messed up relationships that need mending? How, uh, how you treat others impacts your relationship with God. God takes this very seriously, how you treat others. Let's look at Mark. Mark 11. Therefore, I tell you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So far, so good. This is a beautiful verse. God desires to give me good things. He wants me to pray, and he can, he can handle that. And then let's keep going. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. If you're praying and you realize you're harboring resentment towards someone, you need to stop and deal with it. You need to forgive them so that you can move on, so that God can forgive you and your prayer can continue. Your prayer does not pass go, does not collect $200 unless you first forgive. And when you forgive, God forgives you and your prayer life can resume. So check, do you have any messed up relationships? Now this is not an isolated verse. Here, flip over to Matthew. We have the same thing happen, Matthew 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go. Be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Church, if you, uh, friends, if you need to skip church this, this morning because you need to reconcile with someone else, you have my permission to do so. I'm aware that Chad is on sabbatical and it's probably his decision, but I think you would agree with this one. If you need to reconcile, you need to take care of it. This is your highest priority. Should you be somewhere else this morning? 
Did you have some fight with your spouse last night and you drove here in silence? Some blow up with your kids, with your family, your friends, and you're still not talking? Reconcile and then come here. Now, I get it. You can't always go sometimes. So maybe I'm using the wrong word. Let's use the word forgive. Because reconciliation does require them to do something, right? It sometimes requires them to restore the trust in the relationship, requires you to restore some trust. Trust has been broken. Forgiveness does not require the participation of the offending party. You can forgive just between you and God. Forgive. Your prayer life depends on you mending those messed up relationships. So let me ask again. Should you have gone somewhere else this morning? Let's summarize here. We've looked inside. We've looked at motives, mistrust, and the manner of living and asked whose glory, whose power, whose way. We've looked outside, messed up relationships. These four things can hinder our prayer life because they hinder relationships with God, with others. But do you want to know what prayer God always answers? This is not a BuzzFeed clickbait thing, right? Do you know which prayer God always answers? Number seven will surprise you. This is not that. Also, don't click those, please. (laughs) Don't click those. God will always answer this prayer. So here it is. Let's do it uh, together here. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Here's what I want you to do. This is our first application. Tomorrow when that alarm goes off, I want you to grab your phone, as I'm sure you're going to do anyway, right? And before you hit Facebook, before you hit Instagram, I'm sure you were going to do the YouVersion app and follow along with the journey reading plan. But even before then, even before then, hit the Bible thing at the bottom and go to Psalm 139, 23, and 24. I want you to read it. I want you to reflect on it. I want you to pray it. Let's do it together now. It is on the screen. Let us do it together, church. Let me hear you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Pray, God, look inside me and then read it. God, look outside any relationships that are messed up and then read it. Pray inside, outside, and then pray for the courage and the strength to address whatever God has placed on your heart, because it might be heavy. Examine your heart and your relationships. Now, let's suggest, uh, let's say that you do that, and you go through the exercise, and you don't feel like anything is wrong. You don't feel like anything's been placed on your heart. I would ask you as nicely as I can, do it again. Let's just do one more lap around the track. Let's just make sure. (laughs) But but sometimes you're going to do that, and you're praying for wrongs to right, and you're going, I, I am doing that. I'm, I'm apologizing. I'm seeking forgiveness when I mess it up. You've mended your relationships with your spouse, with your kids or coworkers. Maybe you've even mended relationships with your in-laws. Mine are, mine are watching. Hi, family in Wisconsin. <laughs> this, uh, uh, this type of silence then. You, you, you pray, and, and, you're, and you're like, there's nothing going on here. I don't know what to do? What else could God be doing? This is the silence that I was thinking about actually this past weekend. They, they, told, uh, they told you I graduated from seminary. I was flying down to graduate from Dallas. I get to the airport and our three-hour non-stop flight to Dallas uh, was canceled because it was weather. So it turned into a 12-hour three-flight trip through St. Louis and then Austin and then Dallas. Landing in Austin, they also had weather. Has anybody landed in a thunderstorm? It's, oh man, I, uh, kids and adults react very differently. I look over at my wife, she is definitely praying. And I've got uh, my two girls beside me and they're like, it's like a roller coaster, dad. <laughs> yeah, kind of, it is like that. We've got the clouds outside strobing because there's lightning. 
You can feel and you can hear the plane make those noises like, you know you're coming in for a landing, but there's still cloud out that window. You know, the pilot can't see either, right? You get beneath the clouds. He's got to trust that the runway is going to be there because I can't see it. How do those pilots land when they can't see the runway? They trust their instruments. The instrument landing system can guide the plane in even when they can't see the runway. They trust their instruments. So when you feel like God is distant, I want you to trust your instruments. For the Christian, our instruments are prayer and the Word of God. The Word of God because it reveals the character of God. Like that pilot can't see the runway, I know God loves me even when I don't feel it because thank God my faith is not based on my feelings. When you feel like things are not going well and you feel like God is distant, I want you to look up at God and have confidence in the character of God. So let me give you two more reasons why God might not be answering your prayer. We've looked inside, we've looked outside. Let's look up at God. Let's ask, do we lack maturity? Do we lack maturity? Uh, Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. Here's what this says. He says, uh, God... Give me, um, uh, give me neither poverty. Uh, do not give me poverty, or else I may become steel, and uh, I may steal and dishonor your name. Now that prayer makes sense, right? God, don't give me so little that I would be tempted to steal, especially as a man. If I can't provide for my family, that's going to tempt me to do some things I ought not do. But look at what the rest of the prayer is. Give me only my daily bread. Not my weekly bread, not my monthly bread, not my yearly bread, not fill up my 401k 30 years earlier. Give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? When I was younger, I prayed to be a football player because I don't have a firm grasp of genetics, apparently. (laughs) I'm assuming that none of you would accuse me of being an athlete. Now, let's just say, Cole Beasley's about my size. Maybe, right? Maybe. But let's just say that my motive was, was pure. Athletes, as you know, have a lot of money. They have power. They have fame. If you gave 22-year-old Ryan a million dollars, I can assure you he would not have spent it maturely. But he would have spent it. <laughs> he would have probably hurt or destroyed himself, his family, and his relationships, even if he meant well. What if God is saying of your prayer, child, a yes to that would tempt you beyond your ability, and I don't want that for you. What if God is saving you from a pain you will never have to experience? He's not being cruel. You may never know what a mess you would have made with that prayer if God had granted it. What if Garth Brooks was right, and some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers? <laughs> I'm quite pleased I made a Garth reference. I just... <laughs> Yeah, so thank you for the Garth reference. But maturity, right? Which I suppose I'm not being now. Maturity. Maturity. You might not be mature enough to handle a yes to that prayer. Now, oftentimes, and this one comes with perspective, so it's a mystery sometimes until we get there, but what if God has more? Look with me at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Jump down to 11. So it is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, says the Lord. 
but will accomplish that which I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now jump down to 13 because this is what I want to show you. God is active. God is fulfilling this. His purposes are not frustrated. Look at what 13 says. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. Now some versions will say instead of the thistle, a juniper will grow. Now this, this here is a thistle. There are many different kinds of thistles. Uh, did you know, for example, an artichoke, technically a thistle? I hope that you've learned more in the sermon than that, but that is a little factoid you can take home. An artichoke is technically a thistle. Many thistles are invasive weeds, but some are valuable to bees and other ecosystems. Now, do you know one more, uh, I suppose, thistle question? Do you know what kind of tree a thistle grows up into? Not a tree, right? At no point will a thistle become a tree. You can fertilize it, you can grow it, you can love it, you can care for it. At no point will it ever be a tree because a thistle and a tree are categorically different things. This is a thistle, and this is that juniper we were talking about, and this is the gospel. God has not come to make the sick people well. He has come to make dead people live. He's not turning your situation into a less bad thistle. He has plans for you, plans for good, plans to grow that thistle into this tree in only a way that God can, but your prayer might be too small. This could be a place for another amen if you wanted to do another one. Thank you. That's good. And then put that in the seven applause thing. Yeah, good. The prayer might be too small. You're, you're praying that that relationship can just be tolerated. And God says, I want to restore it. I want to fix it completely. And I'm going to take this thing that, that you think is a weed and I'm going to make it a tree. But sometimes his ways are obviously higher all the time, in fact. Right? But sometimes what we get trapped in is is we don't have a lot of perspective. My counselor friend says it's hard to see the picture when you're standing in the frame. Right? You need some perspective. It's hard to see the picture when you're standing in the frame. That family that I told you about earlier that I've been praying for to, to get pregnant, they've still not gotten pregnant, but a few years ago, they started um, fostering kids. And about a year or so ago, they adopted those two kids. <laughs> those two kids of a stable family and a home they may not have otherwise had had God granted them a biological family. All of that had to come together and it took years and it took pain and it took prayer and look at what God has done. Perhaps that pain of infertility led to a stable home for those two kids they may not have otherwise had. But you can't see through the pain until all the pieces fit together. That takes time. And so while you wait, have confidence in the character of God. Wait well. Wait faithfully. That nightmare trip that I was telling you about to, to Dallas, it was rough. But honestly, all things considered, that was, that was to graduate too, by the way, to, to seminary. Like I'm doing this for God. I know that Jesus can calm storms, but he didn't calm that one. <laughs> During that trip though, honestly... My kids did really well. That could have been way worse. And during that trip, I was mad at God. I was mad because he didn't calm that storm. And I had to repent and apologize to God for my attitude toward him. Because all things considered, like I said, it, it went pretty well. I had to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Stories in Daniel 3. I don't know if you know this story. Daniel is, uh, uh, excuse me, the, the Israel has been taken into exile. And, and these three stand before the wicked king. Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, you will bow down and you will worship me or you will be thrown into that furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, and I love this, no, <laughs> our God 
is big enough to save us from that furnace. And even if he doesn't, he is worthy of praise alone and we will never worship you. And do you know what happened? They got thrown into the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looked over and he sees four men walking around in that furnace because God did not save them from the furnace. God saved them in the furnace. God did not protect me from a difficult travel day, but he was with me the whole time and I couldn't see it because of my attitude. God does not promise you health. He does not promise you wealth. He does not promise an answer to all of your prayers, but he does promise you his presence. Have confidence in the character of God. Even when I don't feel it, I know he's there. But what God may be doing is a mystery. He may be growing my faith. He may be maturing me. He may be preparing me for more. So when life feels bumpy, when it feels like that fastened seatbelt sign has been on in your life for way too long and you can't see through the fog and those clouds are flashing, I want you to have confidence in the character of God. Get into the word. Stay in prayer. Keep praying. His ways are not our ways. Have confidence in the character of God. Be faithful as he is faithful. This is our second application. After you finish reading Psalm 139, 23 and 24, I want you to go grab another cup of coffee if you need to. Sit back down at the table with your Bible there, your app, whatever you've got. Flip over to Isaiah. Flip over to Isaiah 55. And I want you to be encouraged by the character of God. Because sometimes you read the psalm and that's going to be heavy and God has placed on your heart things that you need to fix, relationships that you need to fix, ways that you need to change and you're not going to feel like you have the strength to do it. Rely on God. Have confidence in the character of God. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to read it. I want you to read. We're not going to do it today, but, but, but Isaiah 55 is what I want you to do. Isaiah 55 to the end. Read it and trust that he is accomplishing in your life what you need. He is maturing you. He is preparing you for more but you may be firmly planted in the mystery. And until after he does it, you'll look back and you'll go, that was awesome, God. But I want you to know that God is still good even when you're there in the mystery and you don't know what he's doing. When you walk out to your car today and you see some of those dandelions in the field, some of those weeds, I want you to remember what God can do with those weeds. When you see those mighty oaks in your neighborhoods with those deep roots that mess up the sidewalks, I want you to know that's God's power on display. What God can do with, with that weed and make that tree. When you see, uh, uh, when, when you grab your phone from those weird lockers when you're walking out of the skiff, I want you to remember that God is good and that he is powerful. Stay in the word. Keep praying. Have confidence in the character of God. Okay, let's recap. Examine your heart and relationships and have confidence in the character of God. Your first assignment was to read what? Do we remember? Thank you. This is good. This takes me back to Sunday nights, the teens. Do, do it again. Your first task was to read what? Yes, thank you. Not just the Psalms. There's a lot of them. 139 specifically. 23 and 24, that's right. Have com and then have confidence in the character of God. He's going to place some things on your heart. You might need to work through them. Then I want you to flip over to Isaiah. Isaiah, oh, I gave it away. But I want you to flip it to Isaiah what? 55. Yes, Isaiah 55. And then just start reading 8 to the end. That's right. Examine your heart and relationships and have confidence in the character of God. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by the things that God is placing on your heart to fix. I know that sometimes that can be heavy. I want you to rely on his character and his will and his power to take you. 
All right, now we've got to land this plane. So examine your heart and relationships, having confidence in the character of God. Remember, prayer is not an easy button. Prayer is relational. And when you experience that silence, look inside. How are your motives? Are you mistrusting? Do you have any misplaced trust in your own abilities? Look outside. Do you have any messed up relationships that you may need to mend? Look up at God. Is he maturing you? Is he preparing you for more? And you just happen to be living in the mystery. You're living in the picture. It's going to be a beautiful picture when it's done, but you're too close to it now. Have confidence in the character of God. When you have turbulence in your life, and you will have turbulence in your life, and you experience these moments of dense fog and lightning flashing, have confidence in the character of God, even in the face of heaven's silence. Have confidence in the character of God. Let's pray, church. God, you are good. You are powerful. We know that you show up in our lives in amazing and wonderful ways. God, sometimes we don't feel that. I pray that you place on our hearts any relationships, anything we need to do with you to get more in line with your authority with your, um, in our lives and, and obey more. I pray, God, that, that if there's any relationships we need to mend, that you place those on our hearts. And Lord, give us the courage and the strength to work through those. God, I pray that you continue to encourage every single person here. May we never forget that you are so big and you are so great and you are so wonderful. Help us to rely on you even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. God, we love you. Help us to love you more. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.